Rogers was going to do Jeopardy. He was doing 10 episodes. We had to have 10 different looks or outfits for each episode. And I had two days. He flew into town. We did a massive fitting, but I only had two days to get those ready. And it was a lot. I think I did 16 hour days. You know, you just do what you got to do. That was Shirley Lipscomb talking about her job as a tailor. And this is So You Work in Entertainment. My name's Adam Klaus, and I've been a full-time voice actor for the last eight years. I didn't really know that you could do that until I was already doing it, which made me realize that there are thousands of jobs in the entertainment industry that most people just don't know about. This is the podcast where I talk to the people who do those jobs. And before we get into today's conversation with Shirley Lipscomb, a congratulations is in order. Shirley is LA Magazine's best tailor in the 2022 Best of LA. It's a big deal. And this isn't the kind of thing where like a studio pays a bunch of money for somebody to get a trophy. Not that that goes on in the entertainment industry at all. This is voted on by directors, actors, producers, people who actually use tailors and know what's up. They have their pick of all the tailors in LA and they go with Shirley. So congratulations, Shirley. And thanks for talking to me in this conversation that I take us all to now. Thank you for coming in, Shirley. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So you work in entertainment? Yes, I do. I'm what they call a pattern maker fitter in television, movies, commercials, anything like that. And what I do is basically make or alter clothes for actors. Okay. How did you get into that? I always sewed because my mother was a great seamstress. And I grew up in San Francisco, and when I had my son, I stayed home and sewed for dry cleaners, amazingly. Everybody needed a pant hem or something. Oh, sure. So I stayed home and raised my son till he was five doing that. And then later on, I went to work for a big jean company in San Francisco, Levi's, and another one called Sticky Fingers. Sticky Fingers, huh? I never yeah, heard of them. they were a great company out of the Northwest. And I made jeans for them, salesman samples and got that kind of thing. Cool. And then later on, I got married again and quit the business, the sewing business per se, and got into building hotels with my husband, who was an architect and a developer. Okay. And this is still in San Francisco? Still in San Francisco, yeah. Okay. And then we took a trip out to see some of my relatives and Santa Fe and my husband fell in love with the place and he said why don't we move here and so we ended up selling our house in San Francisco and moving to Santa Fe and oddly enough we started building stuff there and a movie company heard about me because I had industrial sewing machines in my house from San Francisco sure so they heard about me and came knocking and said would you like to work on a tv show and, you know, my love of movies and television my whole life. I said, sure, what do I have to do? And so I worked with a really crazy Italian TV show called Lucky Luke with a guy named Terrence Hill, who was very famous in Italy. And we I don't even remember how many episodes we did, but that's where I first got into making clothes for television and movies. Okay. Real quick, I've always wondered when people say that they went to a place and they fell in love with it and then they moved there. What was the timeline on that? Like, how did that conversation start? Were you receptive to it? Well, growing up in San Francisco and ending up in a really beautiful home that my husband built me, we went there to Santa Fe. And when he said, let's buy a house here, 
I thought he meant a summer house. <laughs> in addition, yeah. In addition to our great house sure. in San Francisco. And as it turned out, it was going to be home. So I was a little devastated to leave San Francisco. And my son was just graduating from high school. Okay. So we waited till he finished high school and we bought a house there and we moved. So about how long were you working on that first TV show? I think we we're about seven months. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think they did 20 episodes or something. It was fun. It was a learning curve for me. I'd never done anything like that. But once you get in, it's hard to get out. Sure. What was the second job from that? Or did you stay in Santa Fe? Um, no, I stayed in Santa Fe and just got in the loop. And every TV show or movie that came into town, commercials, I did videos, I did private clients. It just word of mouth. And pretty soon it was my full-time job. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Fun. How long were you in Santa Fe before? You live in L.A. now. I live in L.A. I've been in L.A. 25 years. I think I was in Santa Fe for seven. And then I realized I'm a California girl and I can't stay here anymore. Sure. Santa Fe is very, as I call it, boring. <laughs> <laughs> There's no nightlife. There's, you know, just tourists. Yeah, I got that. I got that yeah. vibe. We went on a road trip this summer and we, Santa Fe was one of our stops and I'd never been before. And, you know, after being there a day and kind of seeing the, the landmarks of everything, I was like, I, okay, I get, I get why people yeah. like this place, but I don't know what I would do here much. Yeah, beyond. in the winter when there's no theater, there's nothing going on, that was hard. Sure. And I found myself always leaving to come back to see my son in L.A. and going back to San Francisco. And one day I just said, that's it, I'm moving. So I sold my house and moved to L.A. And in order to move to L.A., I needed a job. So when I was in L.A., I went to Local 705 to get into the union here because I was in a union in Santa Fe and I was in a union in San Francisco. So the natural progression would be get into the union in L.A. And it was a little bit of a challenge, but there was a lady named May Routh who sadly passed about a month ago. And she took a chance on me and got me in the union to work on a huge miniseries uh, with Gary Sinise called The George Wallace Story. Okay. It was Gary Sinise and Angelina Jolie and, you know, lots of other people. And it was big. So I worked 30 days on that. I think that one was about three months long. George Wallace, the comedian? No, George Wallace Story, the uh, politician, segregation in Alabama. Oh, That okay. George Wallace. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> And so Gary Sinise played George Wallace, and uh, we worked on that. And in order to get into the union, you have to work 30 days on a non-union show, and then you qualify to join the union. So I worked on that one for a long time, joined the union, and never stopped working after that. Huh. Yeah. That's awesome. So L.A. for 25 years now. Wow. I know that you're really established now and people come to you because they know you, but yeah. initially when, you, when you're in those early days of LA, how do you get work? Does the union help you out with that? Or Well, you know, it's great to have the union if you have any problems and you can get leads and all of that. But once you've worked with people that you get along with, everyone is always looking for the next show. Sure. So just word of mouth, my whole 25 years here, it's just one show after another, word of mouth. Yeah. I've never gone to the union and said, help me find a show. It's just word of mouth. Yeah, that seems to be a recurring thing. Yeah, and I think in this business here in LA, the main thing to remember is I'm so grateful 
so, so grateful for everything that I've done here and accomplished because of where I am in the union and great friends and work people. And, you know, I'm always on time and I never bitch. Yep. Don't bitch because we're all grateful to be working. Sure. And it's fun work. Yeah. I mean, every day I pretend. Yeah. It's it's great. It seems it's easy for people to lose sight of that, though. Yeah, well, not everyone gets to work as much as they want. Maybe their department that they're in isn't what they should be doing, or they're not good at something. So I'm grateful, but I know many people who are having a hard time, and they think it's time to get out of the business. Sure. So I understand it. Yeah. I'm just very grateful that I found a niche that I can fill. Yeah. And, and that you're fun. really good at it too. And yeah. it's fun. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Can you kind of walk me through when you're first starting that kind of first job as a, as a seamstress when you're, are you on set for that or? Well, in local 705, the union here in LA, you have to be pigeonholed into what you do. So in the costume department, there's a costume designer who's at the top of the scale. Okay. Then you have a costume supervisor who overlooks the whole show hires, pays money, organizes, gets everything together. That's a big job. Sure. Then you have people below that. And when I first started out in LA, I was just a straight costumer, but I worked on set. So that was great for many years, being on set, dressing actors, taking continuity pictures, notes, getting all the clothes organized. It was a long, long day, but it was really fun. And later on, after many years of doing set work, I got injured on the show, and it was bad. So I had to step back for four years to reevaluate and get better. And that was fine. I did it, and I realized that I couldn't be on set bending, stretching, carrying, because costumers are like pack animals. We carry many, many, many pounds. We push racks around, all of that. And I knew that I couldn't do that any longer. So I was always a tailor, seamstress. I worked for Levi's and all these companies. So I decided to just become a tailor, cutter fitter. And since I live in Toluca Lake, I had a studio and it just was a natural progression. So now I'm just a tailor. I go on to a show to do a fitting with an actor, but I don't stay on set or in the studio at all anymore. And Toluca Lake is right by all the studios. If yes, you're not I live around. I'm right behind Universal, Disney, Warner Brothers, two blocks from Warner Brothers. Yeah. So I'm around everything right yeah, there. It's very conveniently located yeah. for people yeah. who need that. When you go to set, what are you trying to get out of that? Well, take for instance, this week I went to uh, Disney. It's a new show. And I did a fitting with a famous actress. So I go there The designer and the crew are all there because they haven't started filming yet, and they're getting all the clothes organized. So there's a rack of clothes for the actress that I was going to fit. The actress and the designer look at the rack of clothes and pick out things that will work and that she likes. We try the clothes on. I pin them if they're too big or too small, add things, take things away, make notes. And so we went through the whole rack of clothes and found what would work for this character in this show. They write up everything, and then I took the bag home, and I will alter those clothes and then bring them back to the studio. Do you always have to fit the garment, or what kind of once you get the sizes, then you can work any garment to it in your studio? 
pretty much, but sometimes things are difficult. Everybody's body is different. If a if an actress is short waisted, things aren't going to look right. If they're extra tall, you know, you got to compensate for every body part. Sure. Is there anybody that has ever been just perfect off the rack? And away you go. Many people. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah many people. More men than women. That's interesting. Because huh. I dress a lot of men in suits. Okay. And I get more men in suits that are perfect. Really? Maybe a hem. Maybe um, what I call the smile, which is this little extra fabric at the top of the of the jacket, right, right. below the collar. Yep. You get a little bunch there. Yep. So I take that out. But pretty much men's clothes I, that's why I like dressing men because they if you say to a man you look great in that suit with that shirt he's happy. Oh for sure. But women are tougher, actresses are tougher. You know because every woman has body problems. We we think we have body problems. Sure. So men are much easier. Yeah. I think a lot of men have body problems too but it's definitely not as forced upon by society. So <laughs> Yeah. I once had a suit in Chicago, the suit for my wedding that I got, and I wore it to the to the tailor. And this guy just looked at me and he shook his head. And he was like, "You can't wear this. This is <laughs> this is so bad." He's like, "I can't do this. This would be hundreds of dollars in alterations. Yeah. Just completely dress me down in in the middle of the floor there." And, and you uh, were grateful. I was, but I did go to a different tailor and get that same suit fit. So I was grateful, but I was still cheap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when you get on a show, are you? Is that a, a weekly garment thing, or how, how often are you altering um, for that? Once you, like on the show that I'm doing now, once you fit all of the main actors, you put the clothes together and alter them all, so they have a closet, which is what we call it. And the designer can go into that closet according to the scene, and she's already got preconceived what she's going to put on that actress. Okay. And maybe the scene changes or whatever, so you can pick from that closet. But then there's always more clothes brought in, so I keep the measurements of an actress, and I can do it without her trying them on. How many garments are we talking about in the closet? It depends. I mean, I've been on shows that the lead actress has 100 changes. Wow. Yeah. So that's 100 shirts or, or 100 whole different, outfits. That, different outfits, yeah. That you're altering that may never be some worn. Some of them I alter. Some of them hopefully will fit right from the store. Gotcha. You don't know. And that's not even talking about made-to-order clothes. Let's say that this show that I'm on right now needs a wedding dress, but they the writers write something specific. It's a wedding dress with pockets. Well, now pockets are in on wedding dresses, but a few years ago, you would never buy a wedding dress with pockets. Sure. So then you have to create pockets in a purchased wedding gown, or you have to create a whole wedding gown with pockets. So it's, you know, made to order, and it's a lot. It's a lot. And then what if that bride in that wedding dress is getting red wine spilled on her? You need two, three, four, five of those wedding dresses. Sure. Because they're going to do take after take until they get it right. Hopefully it's the first time, but you still have to be prepared. So that means I would have to do five wedding dresses with pockets. Wow. So that means that the shopper is going to have to go out, find those five wedding dresses. Well, what if she wears a size two and the shopper found two size two wedding dresses and the rest are fours, sixes and eights, then I've got to alter those other three that are huge 
down to the size of the size two, put pockets in them. So it's a huge job. How long does it take you to take like a wedding dress from a size four to a size two? Oh, um, depending on the dress. It could be a day, a day and a half. Because you got to take every seam in. You got to figure length. As when you buy something in a size two, it's this length. But when you start going up in size, the length gets longer. So then you have to take into consideration you're going to have to shorten the dress. You're going to have to do all of these things. So it can be huge. Sure. Huge. But that's the writers. The writers think it's cute that let's have her in a wedding dress, get red wine spilled on her. They don't think about what it's going to take to get to that point. Yeah, talk about a butterfly effect. <laughs> that's somebody's day exactly. running around town trying to find all that. And yeah. then on top of it, yeah. that's before it even gets to you. Yeah, that, and that was pre-COVID. You can imagine what it's like for them now. Sure. Because right after COVID, you couldn't go into the stores. You couldn't try on clothes. I mean, there was all kinds of things thrown at you that yeah. were really tough. And even now it's tough because most shows have COVID rampant again. Yeah, What's something you deal with that might surprise people who aren't in the industry? I think it's interesting for people who don't know much about television and movies that you don't film things in sequence. You know, you don't go start to finish. A sitcom is 22 minutes on air. Mm -hmm. So you have a 30-minute show, and 22 of those minutes is actual sitcom. The rest is commercials. So on a Monday... On a typical sitcom, you'll have a table read on Monday. And maybe on that Monday, you also fit all the actors that are going to work in the sitcom. Tuesday, they do another table read. And maybe they start filming, you know, day two on that sitcom. And another scene that's going to be at the end of the sitcom. So really nothing goes in actual sequence. Sure. You always have to be bouncing from one day to another. So on Tuesday, you might film scene three and scene 20. You have to be able to be flexible and bounce. Sure. And I imagine those changes, if they if they pull something up in the schedule or throw something back, then that comes down to you, right? Comes down to the costume department. And that designer who picked these clothes has to be ready. You have to be totally flexible all the time. They'll say, okay, today we're, instead of shooting scene four, we're going to scene six. Well, scene four could have been a morning shot and scene six could be a night shot. Sure. So then you have to have the clothes ready all the time. So we always have to be ready. That's the final thing. Sure. Do you have other people who work for you in your home? or Not in my home. I have people that I can go to when I get overloaded or I have a show call me that they need work and I'm busy. I have good people that I can refer because everybody deserves to work. Sure. So I've been lucky to find the good ones. And I've also been really, really fortunate to have worked on some shows that I met young people who were so, so talented. Talented beyond anything I could ever do. And I've helped those people get in the union. There's a guy named Alex Navarro who is unbelievable. That guy has more talent. He's fun. He's sweet. He's handsome. And there's a lady named Heather Casada that I worked with on a big show. And I helped him get in the union, and they just blossomed. Alex works for Gaga and all the big um, music people. It's wonderful. And they're both successful, and it makes me very happy. Sure. So if I need something, I can go to them. And if they can't do it, they could always lead me to someone who can. Sure. So, yeah, the new young talent is just awesome. 
that has to feel really fulfilling to help people out like that. Yeah, 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 I do. I try to help a lot of people. I mentor a couple of people. I have mentored a couple of people in the past, and they're out and running and doing well. And it makes me feel good because I need to give back because of all the goodness I've gotten. Sure. That's great that you pay it forward. Pass it on to the next. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Do you have a favorite avenue that you like working in? Do you like working on a TV show or a film more? Or does that even matter to you? Well, TV is fast and furious, so you have to get it done fast. And there's shortcuts in doing alterations and made to order for television. Because most of the time they never see your feet, but you still have to be prepared with things. So television is fast and furious. Movies, you have a schedule, you know, way out what you're going to be doing. I do a lot of commercials. I work on those progressive commercials. With Becoming the, your parents? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are great. I know. I do those all the time, and they're fun. That's a lady named Karen Mann, who is just a wonderful stylist. And she runs the whole show, and I just work with her on that. And in fact, Karen had surgery this week, so we're wishing her good luck. All right. In a few weeks, I'm going to Dallas again to do the State Farm commercials with Aaron Rodgers. Oh, okay. We do those every year, and Aaron is a dream. He's just wonderful. So that's they shoot like everything in a week or a we couple We shoot couple all of, of those in two to three days. But it's going to be 105 in Dallas. Wow. <laughs> but Aaron but- is fun. The crew is fun. There's just four of us personal. The stylist, me, hair, and makeup. So we fly in from L.A. to Dallas, and then we all stay together in a hotel and just do the commercials and get them done. How many times a year about do you go to a place like Dallas to be on location? We only do Dallas once a year in the summer because of Aaron's schedule when he's you know oh, not sure. playing football. Sure. So he goes back to football, I think, sometime in July. So we're going to Dallas in a couple of weeks. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, it's I was going to say Dallas in the summer. Like, seems like there could be a scheduling thing worked <laughs> out there. But yeah, when you're a professional athlete. It's... Yeah, you have to pre-plan your clothes because it's going to be hot. Sure. Might sew in some extra ventilation <laughs> yeah, somewhere exactly. if you can, right? Cool packs under my arms. But it's fun. He's, he's a jewel. And the commercials are fun. Mm-hmm. You know, when I do commercials here, I only do the clothes. I'm not there. So it, that's the difference. Sure. Because the commercials are done on a set here. So I just do the work. And send it over. I don't have to be there. Typically, once something leaves for a job, then you're closed out with it, right? Or do they? Oh, often... it's reoccurring. So it's always, you know, until a show is over. Sure. Clothes just magically appear all the time. But like with a commercial, when you tailor something and then you send it out, does it ever come back? No, no. no once it goes, you know. Gone and gone. Yeah. And for those progressive commercials, the lead actor in that, he's great. He's got a closet now with all the corduroy jackets that I fix and all the shirts that he wears. So every time we do a commercial, we might use a pair of pants that are nondescript that no one would know he wore in the past commercial. Sure. So it's fun. It's yeah. fun. He's dressed very well because I could tell you like the theme of what he wears, but I couldn't yeah. tell you anything about it, which is perfect for that character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you have any other favorite projects that you've worked on over the years? Oh, yeah. You know, years and years ago, I met a designer named Matt Van Dyne, and he's a lovely guy who lives in Studio City, just one of the coolest designers. And he brought me on Buffy for the last, I think it was the last season. I don't even know how many seasons Buffy ran. It was a lot. But, you know, I dressed everybody there. And then 
I was able to create the uber monsters that attacked at the end of the series. It was a whole uber monster attack. Okay. And I was able to create the uber monsters, and then they CGI'd them into thousands of them. I used bones and twigs and rocks and metal pieces and just created these monsters. And then they made really great masks, heads, hands, and feet. And that was fun. Cool. That was really fun. When something like that happens, that's maybe a little more abstract, not your typical thing. How's the creation process of that? Does the director or someone tell you, I have an idea for it to look like this and let you run with it? Or is it more? Yeah, they told me what they wanted. And then I created one, I think, and they looked at it. And I used all different types of leather and colors and shredded it and made it look aged and did all of that. And yeah, it was a whole creative process, but they knew way ahead of time that that was going to be the ending. So I had plenty of time to work on it. And then when we finally filmed it, I had to bring in a bunch of production assistants, interns. Everybody in L.A. wanted to work on it because it was the ending of Buffy. Sure. So, so many people contacted me when they knew I was doing it. And I brought in my friend Stephen Lee, who is now a designer on Dancing with the Stars. Oh, wow. And my friend Rebecca... She came in and helped, and I met all kinds of people who basically begged me to come and work. Sure. And it was fun. It was really, really fun. That's great. Yeah. How long does it take you on average for, I know everybody's different, but like when you're, when you're fitting a suit and you go to do the alterations, how, what's the average time with you actually at the machine? Take, for instance, when uh, Aaron Rodgers was going to do Jeopardy. He was doing 10 episodes. We had to have... 10 different looks or, or outfits for each episode. And I had two days. He flew into town. We did a massive fitting, really beautiful, expensive suits and shirts and ties and shoes. But I only had two days to get those ready. Wow. And it was a lot, a lot. So I had to bring in people to run around and do things for me, even get food for me because I was working such long hours. And then once they were done, there's a guy named Mark Avery who dresses Ryan Gosling and Aaron Rodgers. I get to work with him. And so Mark picked all the clothes, and then I altered him. And then we had to bag each outfit with a tag and a picture and take them to Sony Studios for them to dress him. Since it was right during or right after COVID, we weren't allowed to go there and dress him, okay. which is what we would normally do. Mark and I would go there dress him and he would go to camera. But since we couldn't do that, there's a guy who dresses people on Jeopardy. His name is Steve Zimbelman. And he just took each bag and our notes and dressed Aaron. And Aaron was very happy with Steve's work. Nice. So it was it was good. But it was a busy, well, for me, it was a busy like four days. And for Mark, it was a couple of weeks buying all the clothes, trying them on, me altering, and then Mark returning all of those things that we didn't use. Sure. And that's a big deal because you got to have them take them back in perfect condition to different stores. Sure. So it's a big deal. Sure. Big, big deal. So in that time, in that fury uh, where you're getting the 10 outfits ready in two days, <laughs> what? how many actual hours are you at the machine? I mean, it sounds like you don't even have time to sleep, right? Uh, it was pretty It was pretty crazy. I think I did 16-hour days. Wow. But like I said, I had people getting me food, people delivering things 
to Mark, my partner, uh, you know, you just do what you got to do. Yeah. And we pulled it off and he looked great. Yeah. So it was fun. And then once that's done and out the door, are you able to take some time to... Oh, yeah, I can. Yeah, I take whatever time I want. Gotcha. I didn't know if there was like another project knocking right well, around the corner. Well, there is, but you know, I'm very fortunate that I can pick and choose now. And I also travel a lot. So I have a calendar and I say I'm gone from this day to this day and people replace me or, or you know, do whatever. And so I'm very fortunate I can get good work and I can have fun. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, it took you, I mean, you earned it, right? Yeah. It took you a while to get there. Yeah. Do you have any like dream projects or, or something that you want to do that you haven't done yet in the industry? Oh, you know, I can tell you a really fun story about uh, when I was in the union in San Francisco, I was working for uh, Lucas's company. Okay. And we had to make a new Chewbacca. Okay. So I was working up in San Rafael. And we went to the ranch, his ranch, mm -hmm. where he has his archives. And we all got to see the original Chewbacca, which is put in the place, and it's there. And we got to look at it and to see how it was made. And the reason we were creating a new Chewbacca, so that was like 25 years ago. The reason we were creating a new Chewbacca was the original Chewbacca, when it came out in, what, 74 or something? Sounds about right. Um, he went to shopping malls, to J.C. Penney's, to promote. And little kids would come up and grab his butt because they're short and he was sure. tall. So they would grab his thighs, his butt, his arms, anywhere they could to touch Chewbacca. So Chewbacca was bare. <laughs> so in the archives, Chewbacca was kind of bare. So they were, we were working on Return of the Jedi, adding additional footage, I think is what we were doing. So we had to build a new Chewbacca, and he's made out of yak fur. Oh, wow. So there was a lady named Anne who's passed, who ran George Lucas's place in San Rafael. So we created a Chewbacca, and it was really fun, and it was difficult, but, you know, we knew what we were doing. They knew much more than me. I just helped and then the guy, the original Chewbacca guy came in, and I'll never forget, he came in and he was this tall guy, and we put the costume on him, then they put the hands and the feet on him, and then they put the head, and everybody, the producers, everybody was in the room, and we stood back, and he did the roar, half lion, half bear roar, I think it was, half lion, half bear, and I tell you, the hair Everywhere on my body stood up because there's Chewbacca roaring in front of us. Yeah. It was a pretty great thing. And part of it was a monster you created, right? Yeah. 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 Your creation. It was, it was fun. It was really, really fun. And they offered me a job up there, but I didn't want to live in San Francisco anymore. Mm. I didn't want to go back, I should say. I knew I needed to be in L.A. and my son lives here. So I kindly turned it down, but I did a few jobs up there. It was fun. Yeah. And, you know, I still go there all the time to see my family and stuff. I also think it's fun to think that there may be a kid out there who has a lock of Chewbacca's butt hair. From oh, yeah, when he, was he a probably child. does. Yeah, that's a true <laughs> super fan thing if you have that out and there. And I've made costumes for many people for, out of star, for Star Wars, and it's fun. Yeah. But that was a fun memory. That was a really good memory. In line with the Chewbacca, do you have like a favorite costume that you've worked on? Wow. A costume? I have to think about that one. Shows that I really like doing. I did the Taken series. Okay. Uh, Liam Neeson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there were three of them. 
And I didn't too, do too much on the first one, but the second and especially the third I worked full, full time on. And those were fun because we filmed here in the Valley, a lot of it. And I was on set a lot, you know, doing fittings with tons of stunt guys. And those stunt guys each needed five or six suits and sure. altering, helping with Liam's stuff and other people. And it was, that was a really fun project. And Mr. Neeson is really wonderful. Typically on a movie like that, you're fitting everybody, right? Anybody that they tell me I need to fit. Yeah, there, but there aren't like typically multiple people doing your role? Uh, could be on those shows, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because there's so much. Sure. Oh, so it just depends on kind of how big the Yeah, cast how size big the is show and... is and what they need, yeah. That makes sense. So since you like dressing men, who have been some of your favorites? Oh, goodness. I think one that really stands out was I was working with Tom Hardy on a reshoot on a film, and I was with him for two weeks, and he was just awesome. I would get all his clothes ready that I was going to try on, and I'd be in the trailer waiting for him. And he would come in and he would say, good morning, Shirley, can I make you a cappuccino? And my heart would be bouncing out of my chest because he's just so awesome. <laughs> and he was a great, fun guy to work with. Nice. Yeah. Do most people enjoy their time being fitted, or is it more like something they have to get through? Well, you know, everybody has their good days and their bad days, but you also have to remember that the costume department is going to make you look good. Sure. So, you know, you should be cooperative in dealing with the costume department, even if it's not the right time, but we need to do it right then because we have to fit the clothes, we have to go shop. We have to get the clothes altered and, you know, we have a time schedule. Yeah. That's kind so, of the beginning of your job, right? When you're yeah, fitting them, you know, there's a yeah. lot that goes on behind it. So, but then during, you know, the progression of a movie, they might write in a new scene. So now we have to try on more clothes. And, you know, for an actor, it's a hassle. Sure. So, yeah. But men are, like I said, are the easiest. I wonder if part of that is, is like, because we don't notice a lot of stuff like yeah. that. You know, I don't, my wife bought me, recently just started buying me tall shirts, tall t-shirts. Yeah. 36 years of my life, I'd gone without <laughs> them. And I put on a tall t-shirt and it was like a new lease on life. Oh, of course. Yeah. But you wouldn't know that. No, I wouldn't have any idea. Yeah. I was just like trying to stretch my shirts long all the time. <laughs> exactly. And then, but even then within that, because she tried a couple of different places and yeah. some it was like, well, this, this fits like a potato sack. This isn't good. And then other ones were like, so. Yeah. Um, do you have any favorite brands that you like working with? Well... Again, men's suits, I love, um, you know, there's just so many. Tom Ford does great suits for a lot of my actors. Okay. Those are wonderful. We use everybody. But, um, yeah, Kevin Hart was one that I just loved working with because he knows clothes. He has impeccable taste about where he lives, what he drives. His house is fabulous. His closet is fabulous. And he's the nicest guy, the nicest guy. And he knows what he looks good in. And that was fun. Is that rare to find that? No, no. You know, I think when, you know, you're really tall or you're really short or you're a little heavy, you kind of figure out what looks good on you. Sure. And Kevin likes color. He likes, he's just a good guy. Nice. And that's fun. Do you have any wardrobe tips for men? Like as far as like the style faux pas that you see a lot with, with guys? or? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, how do you tell someone... That doesn't work. When I work with a designer and we're fitting someone, we don't know what it's going to look like until we put it on. I've noticed over the years, I never say anything in a fitting 
unless I'm asked. And then I'm very careful with my words. But I've noticed in times that a designer would say to an actor, we can do better, which means it's not bad, it's not good, but we can do better. Sure. And that seems to keep everybody happy. So you don't know if we mean it's too tight and you don't look good in it. It just means we can do better. Yeah, it leaves it open. <laughs> it leaves it open. Everybody can kind of rationalize yeah. it to feel good about themselves. Yeah, well, if uh, somebody said that to me, I'd think, oh, my God, what's wrong with it? But you never know. Sure. <laughs> There's a lot of you never know in this That's industry right. across the board. That's right. Yeah, it's like yeah. all of a sudden they don't call. Like maybe it was something, maybe it yeah. wasn't. You never yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, you can always do better, I suppose, though, right? <laughs> That's right. So I imagine when you're filming on location, you find yourself in some pretty strange places. When I was working on set, let's take, for instance, when I worked on X-Files, which was one of my favorites. Okay. I love monsters. I loved being down in the bowels of funky buildings downtown, almost bent over, walking through basements where we were going to film some creature coming out of a pipe. And we knew that when it was time for lunch, we were going to be eating in some parking lot with homeless and whatever all around us. So I always said after many, many years on set, I wanted to write a book called Parking Lots I've Eaten In. (laughs) And over the years, I found out that there was a guy who in the 80s or 90s wrote that book. What? Yeah. So there is a book, Parking Lots I've Eaten In, in the entertainment business. Wow. Well, maybe Parking Lots I've Eaten In Part 2 is still right there (laughs) for the Yeah, you never know. You never know. But yeah, we've eaten... You know, in crazy places, crazy places. Where? What are some of your favorites? Like I said, downtown is great. You know, sometimes in empty stores, wherever. They just have to find a place to feed us. So it could be in a parking lot. It could be inside a building. They bring these big modular pieces in that are just a lunchroom. So like on Taken, they had those lunchrooms. And it's just a big lunchroom. And I don't know how many people you could fit in there, maybe 50, 100 but it's all set up just to eat in. And that was kind of good because it was clean. Sure. (laughs) But yeah, we've eaten all over LA, top of buildings. I remember once filming a commercial. No, it was a pilot on the top of the Unical building. And the actor was going to be up there and a helicopter was coming down. Well, the Unical building, I think, is like 73 stories. And you had to get all the equipment up. And the last couple of stories, if I'm not wrong... You have to carry thing up, yep. everything up very narrow stairs. Well, I have no fear of heights. So when I got to the top, I was in heaven because you could see all over L.A. But I noticed that men have a fear of heights. Huh. And the grips and, you know, everybody didn't want to be up there because you're at 73 stories. Sure. And, you know, there's a railing, but, you know, and you have a circle of how far you can get near the railing. But I remember people were freaked out. About being up there. Yeah. And then when the helicopter came down, the wind from, you know, and it was pretty crazy. Yeah, I don't think I would have done well in that situation. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I wouldn't say that I'm afraid of heights, but I would prefer not to be on there. Yeah, totally. I don't know what this says about me, but there is when I'm up at something like that, like there is a part of my body that's like, you could jump. (laughs) And it's not, I'm fine. I'm doing well. I don't, it's not, it's not a concern, but there is a part of me that's like, don't go over there. You you don't know what's going to take over. Yeah. And just see, I don't know. 
I did a rooftop shoot, actually. It was for a hand modeling job, believe it or not. That was a joke that went too far. I had somebody reach out to me, and I thought it would be really funny. I just wanted to be able to say to somebody at a party, like, oh, I've, you know, I've done some modeling. And, <laughs> and uh, it... You have good hands. It, thank you. We just kept going. The joke kept going. And they called, and they were like, hey, it's an overnight shoot on top of this building and it was the same thing where they had like the last three floors they had to carry everything up and they had all this just overkill like sets and everything that they didn't even end up using and didn't get to or anything like that but that was one of those times too that was night and i I was very cautious to stay center of that rooftop yes right exactly yeah exactly down on the ground as much as i could yeah yeah there's fun times and there's crazy times i was working on a show in new mexico in a dry riverbed and a flash flood alert came on. We had to get out of the riverbed very quick with all the equipment and we're climbing up the banks of the hills just to get away. I mean, one day you're dry and the next day it rains. You you just don't know. Yeah, you can't plan for that. No, so you always have to be prepared for it, but you don't know. Sure. And how many times have they had to cancel a shoot on Monday because it was supposed to be 80 degrees and now it's raining? So you have to be prepared. That's the main thing. Be prepared. Yeah. It sounds like you have to be flexible in order totally. to survive in this because totally. you don't know what's coming down. You know, and, and in our business, this is all the way across the board. You have to be flexible. That's why this business is tough on relationships, because you have to be flexible. Let's say that I have a dinner plan to go to dinner at 7 o'clock. And, my, you know, my friend is waiting for me to go to dinner at 7 o'clock. Well, if I'm on a job and something happens and now it's eight o'clock it could be nine o'clock my friend has to be flexible to understand that so you just have to be flexible yep and you you just really don't plan anything when you're working yep because you just don't know but the benefits of that is when you're in a union when you work long hours you know i have total health care for the rest of my life yeah that's and that's priceless for sure and we make decent wages and we get all these benefits. I mean, it's just wonderful. So the union does wonderful things for us. Are there a lot of costume department that's that's non-union? Is this a? There's some. You know, I don't. I don't ever really do non-union. I've I've been fortunate to always be pretty much union. Sure. But I know people who have worked ten years non-union before they get in the business, so they basically lost ten years. Of, of union work, sure. which makes them have to work longer at the back end sure. to qualify. Yeah, and then the pension and all yeah, that stuff, Yeah, to too. get your pension, and yeah, you know, pension in our union is fabulous. Yeah. You know, and the benefits, you have medical for the rest of your life, you have eyeglasses, you have chiropractic, you have podiatry. If you need to see a shrink or a counselor, you're, everything is provided. So a union is really good. I bet that the podiatry and the chiropractor is used quite a bit, right? Because this is physical yes, work. very physical work. Yeah. Very physical work. Yeah, they use a lot. And there's a lot of injuries on set. Sure. You know? Have you had any issues with like your back or anything with the, being at a sewing Well, when I was time? injured, but you know, I just made myself get better. I said, this is not going to cripple me for life. So it took me about four years to get my back back working again. And I can actually say now I have no effects from that bad accident. That's great. But, you know, I had good medical care. Sure. And I was able to get what I needed. And lots of people get injured. I have a friend, Donna, who fell off the back of a lift gate and broke her foot. I ran into a lady at a doctor one day, 
and a forklift ran over her on set. And that lady's life was basically, her job was over for the rest of her life. Sure. So yeah, there's all kinds of things that can happen. So you have to be careful, and that's why we have so many rules in place on sets mm -hmm. and you know, in base camp and every place else. And Transpo's great about trying to keep that in order. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. safety is paramount, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. So what does the future look like for you? Is there, <laughs> is there anything that you, you really want to do or you like the setup as it is and it's just kind of You know, going? I'm very fortunate and I like what I do because I, like I said, work out of my home and I get to meet new people and see lots of friends when I do go to set. But I'm really content. I'm happy. I'm able to kind of control my life. I'm able to travel. I'm planning a big trip to Europe again. And, you know, weekend trips. And I like being in L.A. in the summer. And, you know, yeah, our summers here are great. So I really have no big goals. I like helping people. And that's been fun to pay back because I've been so gifted. Sure. So, yeah, I like doing that and spending time with my son and my friends. Yeah, life is good. Nice. That's yeah. what you want to hear. That's the yeah. ultimate goal, yeah. right? Yeah. And, you know, the, the people that I do get to work with have all been fun. I mean, I was fortunate enough to work with the world's richest man, Elon Musk. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah. And he was wonderful. And he had a great sense of humor. And I had fun all the times I worked with him. And, you know, who gets to meet people like that? Sure. Our business allows us to meet many, many cool people. Yeah. I just worked on uh, 1883 with my friend Carolyn. She was the supervisor, and Janie Bryant was the designer on that show, and a huge crew. And they got all the clothes ready here. Then they shipped them all, trailers full, to Fort Worth, and they filmed there in the 100-degree heat last summer in covered wagons with Sam Elliott and Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. And all those clothes out in the dust and the heat and the dirt and the sweat. And then they shipped them up to Montana to film in the cold. And then they shipped them back to Texas to finish. And that show was really fun because I love that period of clothing. And yes, they're dark, dirty, musty, old. You rent clothes that were old. You get new clothes. But, you know, they're period clothes, 1883. Sure. And... They didn't wash their clothes often. Sometimes they only had a few changes of clothing. Yeah, it was all you own. And, you know, a man in 100-degree heat in a wool suit, not good. Yeah. Not good. Yeah, sometimes I'll see the, uh, like, somebody will do a TikTok or whatever of someone from the 1800s getting dressed. Yeah. And it, I think oh, it's yeah. going to be over, like, two minutes before it is. They just keep putting on layers yeah. and layers and layers. You know, layers. a lady then would wear nine pieces of clothing under her dress. It was crazy. That's but that was a really, really fun project. Carolyn, the supervisor, she juggled so many hats, keeping control of all the actors, all the people that were working on the crew in Texas, the crew here in L.A. She has just a great mind, like a trap. She can delegate, and she just does amazing things. She's on a big show at Western right now, Western Costume. And I'm just in awe of her talent because she can keep everybody in line and she knows where everybody is and what they're doing, hopefully. Yeah. It, you know, it's like, uh, what do we call it? Wrangling kittens. Yep. And kittens get out of control. Yep, for sure. Yeah. But that was a really, really fun project. Because I, I like period cool. projects. Yeah. yeah. 
Because the majority of your stuff, I would assume, is is current, contemporary. Right? Yeah, yeah, contemporary. Yeah. That was what yeah. I was looking for. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to add? No, it's just you know we're like you. We're fortunate to be in a town where all of this is going on, and it's good, it's bad, but on a whole, it's it's really good. Yeah. And you know, I'm grateful. Maybe as a parting piece of advice here, do you have any advice for a young person who's trying to make it in this field? Yeah, always be kind because you never know who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. I remember on a show, I was working with a lady and she was, I could say she was nasty. She was one of us. She was nasty and she was nasty to an extra and it was the director's sister. Yes. So I always remember that. So I always say, be nice, take notes, keep your head down, be on time, be grateful and if you interview with someone, write them an actual note, not an email or a text, thanking them for their time. And then you can go back and remind them that you're interested in the job, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, just being grateful to get a job. And once you get in there, then you got to work hard to work so that you can keep your benefits and make money. Sure. So you just got to be grateful. That's the key word is grateful. And everybody I know is very grateful. Well, I know I'm very grateful for you coming in. Well, thank you. Sharing the time. I appreciate it, Shirley. It's been really fun. All right. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I was really nervous about what to wear when Shirley came over because, I mean, she fits the richest guy in the world. I'm not trying to compete with that, but I just want to look good, you know? So I got my nicest tank top pressed. It was tucked perfectly into my jean shorts. I asked her what she thought of my fit, and you know what Shirley said? We can do better which I think means I nailed it. Because everybody could always be better, right? Right? If you like what you heard today and you want to do something nice for someone and you want me to be that someone, tell people about this podcast. And if you wouldn't mind, leave a review. It really helps a lot. In any case, thanks for listening. <laughs>